بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم اللهم صل وسلم على سيدنا محمد وعلى ال سيدنا محمد وبارك وسلم رب اشرح لي صدري ويسر لي امري واحلل عقده من لساني يفقهوا قولي سبحانك لا علم لنا الا ما علمتنا سبحانك لا علم لنا الا ما علمتنا سبحانك لا علم لنا الا ما علمتنا ما بعد we thank Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala most gracious most merciful for blessing us the opportunity to sit after salah with jamaah uh, with the quran and to engage with the the message of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala with all of us that he has sent for all of us and we ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to make us all from the people of the Quran who love reading, love reciting, love pondering and love sharing the message of the Quran and then are inspired also to practice um, what is being shared uh, the discussion is one step and the main step is that we are able to start practicing on whatever we speak and whatever we hear. So inshallah, whenever I sit and speak and whenever we sit and speak and whenever we sit and listen, our first intention should be that, Ya Allah, whatever we're about to share, whatever we're about to hear, allow me to practice on it. And inshallah, if we keep that in mind when we're listening, then based on our uh, intention and our sincerity of our intention, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will give us the tawfiq to make amal. You know, my dear brothers, it's so amazing uh, that, and dear listeners, that sometimes just based on the sincerity of a person who's listening, how Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala opens up the doors of tawfiq. Uh, many times, uh, regularly, I hear people who say, oh, we heard this scholar and this talk, or this tafsir, or, or fulan Juma khutbah said something, and ever since then, you know, I started this. And it, from the outset of it, it sounds like a very simple thing that they were just, you know, probably not, definitely not even the crux of the bayan. Just one of those points that was mentioned in the talk. But because a person is listening with sincerity, it stuck with him from it stuck with him for so many years and now he's making amal on it. And the person who shared this message is not even aware that I had such a huge impact. Right? So it all is with us, our relationship with Allah. So let us renew our intention that we're here to please him. We're here to uh, listen uh, because we need to hear it the most. We are here to, with the intention of practicing. We're here with the intention of propagating, inshallah. So the last ayah that we, we stopped at last week was when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says <coughs> that uh, um, the Malik Saba Bilqis, um, uh, she realized that um, it is not worth going to a fight with Sulaiman alayhi salatu wasalam and um, she took mashwara from her, the, from the viziers around her, even though they said, we're ready. We're ready to go into a fight. And she said that, I um, don't want to do that because whenever kings take over villages and towns, they create corruption and they flip it all upside down. It's terror, it's, everything falls apart. Uh, you know, it's destruction. And I don't want to destroy this town. I don't want us to be slaves also. So let's try to see, work around, around this. وَكَذَلِكَ يَفْعَلُونَ So what was it? Um, moreover, they reduce its people of dignity to abject humility. And this is indeed what they do. So some say, وَكَذَلِكَ يَفْعَلُونَ This is indeed what they do is something what Bilqis herself was saying, or this is what Allah is saying, that you, what you're saying is right. That's exactly what kings do. War is not good. Right? So then she said that I'm going to send a gift to see what happens. Right? I'm going to see, send a gift to him to see how he responds to that. أعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم وإني مرسلة إليهم بهدية فناظرة بما يرجع المرسلون فلما جاء سليمان قال أتمدونني بمال فما آتاني الله خير مما آتاكم بل أنتم بهديتكم تفرحون 
ارجع إليهم فلنأتينهم بجنود لا قبل لهم بها ولنخرجنهم منها أذلة وهم صاغرون قال يا أيها الملأ أيكم يأتيني بعرشها قبل أن يأتوني مسلمين قال عفريت من الجن أنا آتيك به قبل أن تقوم من مقامك وإني عليه لقوي أمين قال الذي عنده علم من الكتاب أن آتيك به قبل أن يرتد إليك طرفك فلما رآه مستقرا عنده قال هذا من فضل ربي ليبلوني أأشكر أم أكفر ومن شكر فإنما يشكر لنفسه ومن كفر فإن ربي غني كريم قال نكروا لها عرشها ننظر أتهتدي أم تكون من الذين لا يهتدون فلما جاءت قيل أهكذا عرشك قالت كأنه هو وأوتينا العلم من قبلها وكنا مسلمين وصدها ما كانت تعبد من دون الله إنها كانت من قوم كافرين قيل لها ادخل الصرح فلما رأته حسبته لجة وكشفت عن ساقيها قال إنه صرح ممرد من قوارير قالت رب إني ظلمت نفسي وأسلمت مع سليمان لله رب العالمين صدق الله العظيم <clears throat> so Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala mentions that the next step that she had in her mind because we said she's really smart she said okay let's figure out what type of person he is and this is a really deep really deep uh, statement of hers she says I am going to now send a gift to him right I am going she told her env- uh, uh, the, uh, the, the ambassador the envoy that go to him and take this um, gift and then, فَنَاظِرَةٌ I will consider that what the messen- with, with what the messengers I send return. نَاظِرَةٌ يعني أنا نَاظِرَةٌ I am sending a gift now to them and I am going to look. نَاظِرَةٌ يعني I'm going to ponder, I'm going to reflect, I'm going to think about this. بِمَا يَرْجُوا With the response I'm going to get from the messengers who take these gifts to her. Okay. To him. فَلَمَّا جَاءَ سُلَيْمَانٌ when the messenger came to Suleiman, when the envoy came to Suleiman, Suleiman said, Are you extending to me wealth? Are you trying to give me imdad? Imdad means assistance, right? In Urdu also, imdad. Right? Imdad, madad, imdad, you are extending out to me. You are, why mad is called a mad? Because you extend it in Tajweed, right? So, So you are trying to extend wealth to me. You're trying to entice me with wealth. فَمَا أَتَانِيَ اللَّهُ خَيْرٌ Rather, whatever Allah has given me is far better and superior than what you are giving. I am not interested. I don't need your gifts. Rather, you are, you should be happy with your own gifts. Enjoy your own gifts. Or rather, you are arrogant with your gifts. So what, what happened over here? She realized something I hope I realize and I hope we all realize is that there are certain people who has, they say, Ashab Mabadi, Ashab Risala. There are certain people who are people of principles. And then there are what we call Ashab Maslaha, people 
who are in it for, some, for not based on any type of genuine principle, but based on how much they can squeeze from where. It's all about the nafs and fulfilling the nafs. They really have no morals and values and principles. It's not about principles. It's about how much you can squeeze from where. How much can you uh, get and you're willing to sell any and all principles in order to achieve that so-called success. And I mean, serious, just today reflecting on some of the news, and I was just like, just dumbfounded, shocked, can't believe what the direction of our country is going. That, you know, the same, this, you know, there's so much khair in this country, but the fact that at, at not at a small little school board level or small little village town level, at such a huge level, the level of corruption that is happening in terms of this upcoming election and the, the moves that are being made. I, I don't know how many of us have, you know, in, in recent history have heard a person saying that even if I lose, I'm not going to accept that. You know, or I'm going to make sure at all costs, anyone who may even try to uh, make sure things go right, I'm going to fire them you know, a month before. Every single day people are getting fired. Every single day people are leaving position. And then you see, understand, we've probably never witnessed this type of, you know, you can correct me, I know history quite well, uh, if, if you've seen any such corruption in this country before, at, at, this, at the highest level, at the very highest office. And what that comes with the hadith of the Prophet at the signs of the hour. Everything's going to be bought. Offices will be bought and sold. Right? There'll be no, there'll be no uh, honesty at all left. What do, you, what do you see happening? These are not ashab mabadi. These are not ashab, these are not people who have principles. It's about you know getting winning at all cost. And what is winning? Winning means winning is not about being humble. You know we have this concept about yeah, happiness comes when you give to others. You don't get happy by just eating yourself. The happiness you get by feeding others that it seems is lost in many people. Right? That's something which we take as an accepted norm That you enjoy by giving and helping people More than you would enjoy taking yourself That's something I think all, the, all of us in this room Can agree and understand That maybe we don't do it as much But that's the reality of it That there's only so much you can eat yourself But by feeding others uh, And by helping others You bring so much joy to your life Some basic principle like that Is lost upon people So, so uh, Bilqis wanted to know What type of person is Suleiman Is he, is he after my kingdom, my money? You know, that we just give him, you know, we bribe him out. We, you know, he's up for the highest bidder today. That's what it is, right? Who's for the highest bidder? Khalas. Right? So, uh, it's, it's uh, people speak about looting, of stealing, which is, of course, incorrect, 100%, you know, wrong. And I absolutely do not support that in any way, shape, or form. But the, the real looting is happening on Wall Street. The real looting is happening in the treasury. The real looting is happening at the highest level. And it's not uh, one shirt and one Nike shoes. We're talking about billions, right? Bought, being, people being bought and sold left and right all over the place. So, in that, so Suleiman salam, of course, was a man of principle, not a man of corruption. So he, she wanted to know if she can buy him out. So let me send a gift. And this is what is very important, is that uh, the conflict of interest issue when we're dealing with uh, people. That accepting a gift, you know, there are some really nice things about this country, some really nice laws that are there to ensure that there's conflict of interest doesn't come in in terms of nepotism in front of other things as well, uh, in non for profits or be in business or whatever the case may be. They're really, really nice things. We don't usually hear about it back home, right? But those very same beautiful principles are being broken. At an, at an, that's what shocks us. If this was back home, maybe we wouldn't be surprised, right? Did I tell you this story? Uh, a, a brother, when I went to. Um, once uh, out to California, I was in a masjid, and after a talk, one brother came to me, nice brother, and we were just chit-chatting. He was new from Egypt, 
and he it was a really funny person. He was just talking about his experiences in America, and he said that um, he said one day I just got my license and I was going to school and I was speeding trying to get to school on time, and I got late and you know I was speeding. That's why I didn't get to school. And a cop pulled me over, and he came up to me and he says, you know, <laughs> driver license and insurance. All right, so. So I said, okay. I pulled out driver license, insurance, opened up my wallet, put a $100 bill, and gave it to him. And he said, what? What are you doing? He says, yeah. You asked me for driving. You pulled me over. That's what I'm doing. He said, but what is this? He said, I'm giving you a bribe. So he let me go. He said, what? He said, yeah, that's how we do back home. Every time we get pulled over, that's what we do. And cops, well, we just we give them, and then we move on. Like, standard practice. You know, chai, chai pilana parte, na? Chai pilana bagher kya hota hai? Right? They say, you got to give chai to Yanni. You got to give chai. Why? You got to flip it in. It's just that's standard procedure. Right? Standard procedure. So there are some really nice aspects of like, you know, uh, uh, rules regarding conflict of, of interest, etc. that are really good about uh, in this country that usually are practiced or supposed to be practiced. So here, if you're trying to give me da'wah and you want me to come towards Islam, then you should not be after my money. You should not be after any of that. That's what she's testing him. And so uh, Sheikh, uh, Sheikh Sha'rawi mentions that one of the ulama was asked, that he said, how do I know whether I am from How do I know whether I am from the people of dunya or the people of akhirah? What is the mizan for that? What is the way of measuring this? And he said, the ulama don't have the answer to this And he said, who has the answer? He said, you have the answer So how do I have the answer? And he mentioned that the one, There's two people One is the one who asks you or takes from you sadaqah And there's one who gives you a gift If the one who takes your sadaqah for himself or for an organization or whatnot, or facilitates for you a sadaqah. And who's the other one? The one who gives you a gift. Who's more beloved to you? If the one who facilitates you to give for the path of Allah, for his own need, or for an organization's need, is more beloved to you than the one who gives you a gift, then you are from the people of Akhirah. But if you would rather receive gifts, monetary gifts or other sorts, instead of giving for Allah's path, then you are from the people of dunya. Because you're excited about whatever you can get in this dunya. And you're not worried about what you can prepare for the akhirah. Because the one who, who, who facilitates your uh, giving in the path of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, in reality, he's your muhsin. He has done a huge favor. That he has that, that $50 that I would have kept in your pocket, it would have, uh, you know, what would you have done with it? Right? You, you would just get wasted here and there, but you're given the path of Allah. I read an interesting uh, article this week. The famous investor, Warren Buffett, his statement, it was an article labeled $300,000 haircut. Did any of you see that? $300,000. I said, what is $300,000? Maybe there is something like that, you know? So I, I, I said, well, I want to read what this is. It was a really important, ajib principle. He said, you probably all have read about him and how he is very careful about uh, his resources and his wealth and invests it properly and you know an interesting interesting person may Allah give me that yeah. a lot of amazing things about him simplicity and that is well known about him so he said that um, when he, it, 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 his mentality is that any amount of money even if it's a small amount when kept over a long period of time will, hundred, will increase for sure so when he went to go buy his house which apparently he still lives in in Wichita uh, uh Omaha, Omaha, right? A $30,500 home he bought in early 70s, late 60s, something like that. So apparently he told those around him, he said, hmm, should I move into this you know, $350,000 home or not? I mean, that's what he was telling everyone. And they're like, which palace are you moving to $350,000 in, in Omaha? I'm like, where? So this $350,000? So he, w he was calling that, right? And he said, because this $35,000 I'm going to invest in my home, 
over time definitely is going to become 350,000 if I did invest it there or buy this. So long term, I'm actually giving away 350,000 to purchase a house. Is that acceptable to me or not? When you would go to a haircut, same thing. If it's a $25 haircut, well, if you did not spend $25 in that haircut and you kept it with you for, let's say, 40 years, that would have become, you know, Allahu Akbar, 10, 15,000 dollars invested. Okay? So he says, every single time I put money down, even for something as simple as a haircut, apparently, he, he says, I ask myself, am I willing to make this sacrifice? Because if I don't put it into this and I keep it with me over a period of 30 years, this will increase to 50 times more than what it is right now. Okay? And the basic principle is, and he don't just always, he's saying, don't spend it at the first sight of every single thing. Just whatever money you have. And that's unfortunately what most Americans do. Not only do they spend, they overspend. Then they get into credit card debt and every other debt, right? Because they're, they're not able to keep, they live paycheck pay to paycheck as they say. So I was taking that principle and I said, SubhanAllah, what a nice principle when applied to Akhirah. Right? When applied to Akhirah, that you have, this thing can cost me $2 to buy from a store. I could drink free uh, water at home Or not free But for a fraction of the cost Right From a water fountain Or from at home Now I, I say I want to I enjoy A $4 water bottle Or $5 water bottle For example Or you can take the other Any other example you want If I don't spend it Do I really need it Or do I really need A milkshake Do I really need A burger Or do I just, can I just eat Whatever my mom My wife Or someone else Or myself made at home <laughs> Right So you, Now you have to ask That $10 down on a burger If you are not to give That $10 And instead eat Dal roti at home Okay. And you come and you put that $10 In a donation box somewhere in the world What is that going to become? Not 30 years and 50 years Over a period of, 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 of you know, The entire life here And then when you get into Qabr and Akhirah What's going to happen to that investment? The Prophet said in a hadith when a per, The gist of it is when a person gives sadaqah Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala Takes care of that sadaqah like you have a hedge fund manager who manages your assets and tries to increase it. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala takes your sadaqah and keeps on investing it from our perspective again and again, again and again. That now when you come on the day of judgment, you get a return. Not after 50 years, 100 years. Millions of years later, you're getting that return, which is obviously millions of times greater than what you had invested. And this is what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, what is the word he uses? Qardah. Right? Who is going to invest with me? Who's going to give me a loan? And then I am going to not multiply it, but multiply it multiple times and give it back to you. So that's the question I need to ask myself. Do I really need to spend this $500 on this XYZ thing? $1,000 on this XYZ thing? It's really important for me to ask. If I am from the people of Akhirah, and someone comes and says, there's my genuine need. Someone's daughter is getting married who doesn't have wealth. Someone uh, you know, needs to take care of food for a family, whatnot. And I say, subhanAllah, I didn't really need this. Here's a need, let me just give it. Then you are a person from Akhirah. Because in reality, you're seeing that this thing kept over a period of million years with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is going to give me such a huge return that I will be much happier than had I bought you know, something of this world. Subhanallah. But the only, only person who can do this is the one who has iman bil ghayb, the one who has belief in the unseen, belief in the akhirah. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala make us from amongst those people. And that one person came to Rasulullah and said, Ya Rasulullah, I don't feel like dying. I don't have desire for akhirah. I'm not ready to die. I'm not ready to go towards akhirah. You heard this hadith before. What did Nabi Sallallahu tell? He said, The heart is attached to where his belongings are. The heart is attached to 
where the belongings are. So if you are visiting and all your saman and your luggage is in the hotel or in someone's house, someone says, why just sleep in the masjid? Or just sleep over here. You say, man, I'm sorry, man. My, my stuff is over there. I want to go back. Wherever your stuff is, the little suitcase you got, you want, your heart is attached to that place. That's why when I travel, when I used to travel, I used to always keep my stuff with me. Because I said, anytime I need to sleep anywhere, I shouldn't have to say, I got to go back. It's got to be with me in the car. Someone says, sleep here, khalas, alhamdulillah, ready. I don't need to go back anywhere else. Keep it, right? So he, he would say, Nabi Wasallam said, that your, your heart is attached with where your stuff is. Send your stuff, your payah, your money, towards the akhirah, your heart will desire to be in the akhirah. Subhanallah. God, look at the psychology here, right? Nabi Wasallam, how he's speaking. Send your stuff to the akhirah. When more of your stuff is over there than it's here, then your heart will automatically incline to go over there because you'll say, what is this, man? I'm staying in like a rented place or a hotel here. I want to go home. What is this? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala Right? Oh, 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 servants of mine, come back, come back, come back home. Right? Come amongst your servants, my servants, and come back to come back. But what does he say? Irji'i. Where are you going back? You're going back to your home. Inna lillahi wa inna ilayhi dhahibun. Inna lillahi wa inna ilayhi raji'un. Dhahib means to go. You don't say indeed we belong to Allah and indeed to Allah we're going. He said indeed we belong to Allah and indeed we Allah, we're to Allah we are returning. That's our home. That's where we're going back. We should be all excited to go home. So when will we be excited to go home? When we start sending stuff out there. Send your furniture set. Send you know, when you move, any of us who have moved, what happens? You send all your big, huge furniture, bed, this, that. You send it first with a big truck, right? Until your end of the month or until whatever the case may be. Then you stay with the bare minimum in the home. And you say, man, I don't have this. You have your basic, you got your toothbrush too. Hey, I am not going to. I'm not going to ask you for anything in return. I'm not going to ask you in anything for return for this. Uh, Nabi alayhi salatu salam, what did they tell him? They told him, they, they, uh, they, uh, they went to uh, Abdul Muttalib. And they, uh, they, uh, they went to Abu Talib. They, all of them, they went, um, went and tried to. Sorry, they went to Abdul Talib and they told him, speak to Rasulullah and ask him to stop giving da'wat. And if he wants to marry, we'll give him the most beautiful daughter of Makkah. We'll give, him the, we'll give him the wealth, we'll donate so much that he'll become the richest amongst us. We'll give him the most beautiful daughter from amongst us. We will make him a leader of, our, of the whole tribe. We'll give him whatever he wants. Please stop giving da'wah. He says, what did he say? Bring the sun to the right, moon to the left. I'm not going to stop. Were you trying to entice me with this? I'm not interested in this. That's what we all need to ask Allah to make us from. Not what they say, ashab, people of, of, of principles. And not people who are can be bought and should. There's many meanings of this. It means number one, that possibly means you would get happy if I take your gift, but I'm not gonna do that. Number two, you get happy when people gift you and you get all excited. Oh, I got gifts. I'm not like that. Right? And number three, you are haughty. Tafarah doesn't mean happy here, it could mean haughty and arrogant. You are arrogant. You think you got money and you think you can buy me out that I'm some small, small guy on the street that you can throw gifts at me and buy me out. And here I want to share the aspect of hadiyah. Prophets accepted hadiyah. Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam accepted hadiyah. But not zakat, but he would accept hadiyah. We should accept hadiyah. But you have to know with what intention the hadiyah is being given. If someone is trying to buy you out and you can sense that, then you don't accept it. Our Ustad Manana Choksi Sahab, he would during exam time, he was the one in charge. And he, as it is, he was a person of ru'ab, a lot of awe. But exam time, he would add in a little flavor to it, you know? 
He would, he would make his topi like the generals. He would wear his topi like this. <laughs> you know? And he'd walk around with his stick. And he'd say, Bhai, imtihan ka zamana aagya. Ab hadiya to chodo salam bhi ne kubul karunga. Right? He would say, no gifts, no chai, no hazrat kuch kar sakte. Salam bhi aage, aage piche aage salam mat karo. Don't come around and say, salam alaikum, salam alaikum. No, no. You just take it. Right? Yani, don't try to win me over right now during exam time. And that's the, the he would say, send a signal like that. So, Sometimes we'll see ulama, they also accept gifts. But then they will see at times, many of them, they may accept it, not because they need it, but because they want to make a person happy. They don't want to break a person's heart, even though they have absolute no need of it. I've seen Hazrat Mufti al-Haq, my ustad, my sheikh, uh, teacher. I would see that, subhanAllah, people would come give gifts, and literally you would see the zuhud, absolute no desire for that gift. And we're sitting there as a, fourth year, fifth year, young student, and we're just seeing these gifts flowing. Brand new phones, right? brand new expensive pens, uh, you know, all sorts of $500, $100 different type of gifts. And mashallah, jazakallah khair, give lots of dua. And then the next 20 minutes a student comes, by law, take it, right? The gifts would just be rotating, rotating from there. And no attachment for that. Alhamdulillah, what, what if there's something genuinely that would be of use? They would use it, otherwise they would, they would move on. But then there are people you hear about scholars who would not accept gifts and who would be very stern with people of money. And why is that? They're not being, trying to be arrogant. But instead, they want to make sure that no one tries to buy them out. Because there are people like that. And I have witnessed this and I'm going to share this so we learn from experiences. That people think that if they give a gift to someone and they accept that gift that they bought them out. I remember once I was in Hajj and there was someone who did something inappropriate or one of the scholars who reprimanded him to say you shouldn't do this something extremely inappropriate so he got flared up shaitan got to him you know what happens in hajj after hajj especially in minna time this that so he got really upset and he went on a tirade and he went and he just started putting all the ulama under the bus and then he started mentioning oh I know all these scholars where he's from back home in, in India such and such city and he started dropping as they say dropping names and this, these are his words I've got all these scholars in my pocket I've got all these scholars in my pocket They've come These are big names Like I invited them to my house And they had breakfast at my home My friend I promise you At any time you're given I can say with the qasam in the masjid That wallahi they did it to make you happy And they were absolutely actually did not want to come to your house. They have such busy schedules and they have so many things going on. Those scholars were running madrasas of three, four thousand students. Who's got time to go to some random guy's house for breakfast? But just to not break your heart because you said it with sincerity, he may have accepted that. Now look at how you turn that around. And you say that, you know, I, I don't need to respect anyone. All of them are on my payroll type of thing like that. So you see there are people like that who misuse uh, gifts, etc. So... That is their shaqawa, their wretchedness. That if a person accepts our hadiyah, we should be pleased, we should be happy that inshallah, every time they use it, we'll get dua. Instead of flipping around to think that we have bought them out. That is why what is the etiquette we should teach our, our children also when you give gift? Nabi Sallallahu said, you know, the al-yadul ulya khayram min yadis, sufla. The upper hand is better than the lower hand. The giving hand is better than the taking hand, right? We all heard this hadith, famous hadith. 
So that is why the, 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 the method of giving a gift is not you giving someone whatever you're giving. Don't give it like this. Instead, we give a gift like this. We should have the lower hand when giving it. So the one who's accepting the gift also should not think that I've got the lower hand that in accepting it. Are you following me? When we give a gift, we make our hand the lower one. Don't leave it in his palm. Instead, present it in a much more humble manner. So the person who's accepting it <clears throat> does not feel that he is now in a position of, uh, of lower than us. Because then, not only that, my brothers, we have broken someone's heart. But what was the purpose of that? We've completely lost all reward in the akhirah. Allah says in the Quran, لَا تُبْتِلُوا صَدَقَاتِكُمْ بِالْمَنِّ وَالْأَذَىٰ Do not destroy your sadaqah and charity by boasting your favors. Do not destroy your sadaqah. So if a person, it's, it's actually pretty hard. Once you give something for the sake of Allah, you have to zip it up before you could speak. But now that you've given something, you should not speak. Otherwise, you lost your money and you've lost your reward. You could have again bought a house with that or bought whatever you wanted to buy with that, a burger. Now that you give, and then we follow up with speaking to say, oh, I gave this, and how come they are doing this or Fulan is doing something like that? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, Do not destroy your sadaqah by boasting your favors. What's adha? Adha into hurting people's feelings. So don't think that Sulaiman is from his story that we cannot accept hadiyah. We can accept hadiyah, but it has to be, you have to understand what it is. When the, you remember we had a scholar who came here five, six years ago from England, Mawlana Ahmad Ali. Do, do any of you remember him? Sheikh Ahmad Ali. No. Remember him? Was he in your graduation? Huh? Okay. So he, I, I'm, I'm sharing this. He's alive, mashallah, healthy and alive, alhamdulillah, in England. But you know, when we see certain beautiful things of characteristics of people, I want to share that. When he came all the way from England, and uh, uh, for how many days? Two and a half days. He arrived right before Juma at the airport. Straight from there went to IFS. Within half an hour of landing, he was on the minbar giving khutbah. Okay, straight. And he had left uh, in the morning, you know, 5 a.m. from his house, uh, or 6 a.m. Took a flight, came here, seven hour flight. Gave khutbah, and then he gave a talk at MEC, and then gave the talk over here. I think a Fajr talk somewhere else. Sunday afternoon, he was dropped, he went back. And he said, Monday morning, I gotta be sitting in my class teaching. I mean, subhanAllah, he said he's been doing this since 1992. 52 weeks of the year he's traveling. 52 weeks of the year he travels. And, um, and I said, wow. So of course, on the way, you know, he, he is a person I grew up, list I mean, I won't say grew up, but he was, I, I, I listened to him when I was younger, it, when we had cassettes. I didn't get too many cassettes because he's not, he was not before the YouTube era. That's why many of you maybe don't know him. Um, hundreds and thousands of his cassettes were popular in South Africa when I was studying. Really nice talks to the youth, etc. So I thought it would be very difficult to approach and bring him over here, but it was so simple. I said, okay, do I have to speak to your secretary? Well, he said, no, man, just call me. It's my WhatsApp number. You know, khalas. I said, who, you know, who does your scheduling for 52 weeks of the year? He said, I do. Who else? SubhanAllah. So uh, anyway, when we were presenting a gift to him on the way back as he was leaving for all his time over here, and that was just something that really left a huge impression on me. Um, so he said, no. So I gave it to my father. I said, you can present it to him. He said, no, what is this? My father told him, it's a gift. He said, a gift? He opened the envelope. He said, gift? No one gives this much a gift. Gift is $20, $50. Not this amount. He said, this is not a gift. What are you going to say to that? So my father insisted. He said, listen, if I were to be taking money like this, I would be a multimillionaire by now. Every weekend I travel for the past, how many? From 92 till now. I'm not doing it for the money. This is not what I'm in it for. Take it. My father insisted, insisted. 
He said, okay, if you want, fine, you can give me one bill. He opened up a Ziploc bag from his uh, koti, from his jacket, and he had a, yeah, a torn Ziploc bag, and he had, you know, maybe 20 bills or 15 bills, ones, fives, and maybe, uh, maybe 120. He said, these represent my international trips. Each bill represents, I'm sure those were not all of them, just a portion of them. He said, I carry it around my pocket for the sake of barakah. This, I promise you, will not be used, but I'll carry it with me to make you happy. And he opened that bag and put it inside. He said, I'm probably not I told him, Shaykh, you travel so much. You know how we think. I should, do, do you have like business class? I mean, the amount of mileage you have, whatnot, right? This is how we He says, no, I have donkey class. He says, I don't want business class. Salam alaikum. I don't need anything. I don't need business. I don't need anything. I need to go donkey class. And he told me, I'm a son of a factory worker. will always remain a son of a factory worker. Allahu Akbar. Right? And Allah has given him huge madrasa there. He has an Islamic school, boys' school, a girls' school, a madrasa. He runs a hospital and a lot of other uh, uh, humanitarian work in Kashmir, okay, uh, where he's from originally. And uh, the simplicity, millions worth of property that the, the madrasa has. But he told me himself, he said, Alhamdulillah, myself and every single employee of the madrasa, we earn the same salary. The stuff, the, all the stuff I do, is, it does, I don't take from it. It's it nice to see people around like that, right? Uh, and it's inspiring to see what happens when you have such one beautiful thing is he gave advice to us in that side prayer hall after that talk I'm not sure some of the volunteers were sitting here who were there and he gave advice and he said I love what you guys uh, what Dar Salaam is doing the one year program he was amazed he said this is actually uh, a miracle that someone can give a year that can give a year it's a miracle people should write a book on this then one advice he said he said Whatever you do, do not expel a student Because um, They have come running away from fire And They come to you even though they got problems But what you're going to send them back to Is much worse um, And then he mentioned He said, you know the, the, the program and everything you're doing here is awesome, outstanding But it's still again The Alim program and the one year program Only maybe a certain niche, a group of people Will be able to benefit that is why he advised What did he advise? Do you worry there? He advised, he said Next time I come back here Wallahi, it's ajib man Who's sitting in that side prayer hall He said, next time I come back to this I said, Shaykh, you gotta come back again He said, next time I come back here I better see a school building I better see a school building I want you to have a full high school here I want you to have a full school K through 12 To be able to teach the masses And to be able to get a larger group of people Who otherwise would not have come to the madrasa. SubhanAllah. You know, there are awliya who say things at the appropriate times and Allah accepts that dua. We never even imagined the seminary at that time. And there was no plans for it at all. But Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala made it a reality with just a couple months, inshallah, left, you know, say make dua for it, inshallah, to open up. And I hope Allah brings him back again. So, anyway, I just thought of sharing that story. Alhamdulillah, you always, we always hear about bad things. You gotta hear about good things as well. There are people like that. May Allah increase him in his ilm and amal. And may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala grant him his heart's desire. Of, uh, and may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala fulfill his needs. He has 11 children. Um, and may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala make all of his children this, the source of happiness for Rasulullah. And may Allah inspire us also to follow in his footsteps. Allahu Akbar. So Nabi alayhi uh, salam refused to basically budge down, with, uh, budge away from, from his da'wah. And um, now, Sulaiman said to him, to uh, this messenger who had come from Bilqis, Go back. Go back to them. Why did I go on this tangent? Just to remind you, we we're talking about gifts. 
I tell you three meanings of You usually enjoy your own gifts Or you would want me to take your gift and be happy But I'm not going to do that Or you know how we, uh, 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 or the third one was that you are, you are not giving out of sincerity Or you're, not, you're trying to test me You're heartily giving it to me And I don't want that Right? That's what this whole tangent we went on So do give gifts, accept gifts But have ikhlas in it The Prophet said Give gifts to one another And love one another that's what muhabbat will come into our hearts by sharing simple and small things. Return to them, O Messenger. With all their gifts. For more surely we shall come to them with armies, with hosts. The like of which they will never be able to face. The like of which they will never be able to face. Moreover, we shall most surely expel them from their land in abject humility. Thus they shall be abased. So it's as though Nabi Suleiman had sniffed it out, figured it out. That's her fear. You'll notice this in this story. Whatever her fears were, he was actually going through with that. Because she had said the same thing, right? When the kings come, they would take us, they will make us disgraced and they'll flip things around. And that's exactly what he said. He said, that's what we're going to do. We're going to pull them out from there, exile them, and we're going to make them zalil and, 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 and uh, abased. Okay, next ayah, Allah says, قَالَتْ يَا When she saw this, oh, that the gifts have been returned. He's not up for sale. She said, that, okay, then we might as well, might as well just accept what he's saying and go to him. See, this is how you know, we don't want to make a fight. Let's just go quietly to Sulaiman. He sensed what's happening, that she's going to come. He realized also that she's going to come. So he started planning for her arrival. He said, when she comes here, we have to throw on a show. Shock and awe. And I want to impress her. That she's not the smartest and she's not the richest person out there. Okay, so one of the things you learn from this story is give da'wah to people based on their standing in society and their background and so forth. Speak to people at their level. Uh, treat people based on what they are accustomed to. Alright, you'll see that in this story here. So he said, I want to show him some, some power over here. So who amongst you, he addressed his court, who amongst you is going to go? قَالَ يَا إِهُ anticipated her coming and he said to his court, O assembly of nobles, who amongst you will bring me her throne? بِعَرْشِهَا Will bring me her throne. قَبْلَ يَأْتُونِ مُسْلِمِينَ Before they come to me <coughs> in willing submission. You have to travel, I told you about three and a half, four hours by flight from Yemen to Bayt al-Maqdis. And bring me her throne from there. So we want to surprise her. One of the great powers serving Suleiman from the jinn, Ifrit, is what you call the really strong, powerful jinns. Because jinns are of all different types. You got the chuzas, the small little ones too. They're no good, you know, just like they can't really do anything. They're just lucky they're a jinn, you know, that's about it, that they can't see. They can't, we can't see them. But besides that, they've got nothing to show. And then you got the, like amongst the humans too, right? And then you got the really tez, makar, like super duper smart, intelligent. Uh, who use it for deen sometimes and unfortunately many times most of the time use it for evil right so Ifrit is that really strong makkar shaitan um, who uses his power ulama say ulama lugha say affara wajhahu bitturab means to take dust and throw it on your face so, so when, when there's a race taking place the, the, the one who comes up first or who's trying to beat everyone else 
in a horse race, for example, he would take mud and throw it on the one that's behind him. So he, he loses and he can win, right? The one right in front. Or he would do it after he wins, he would throw it on, on their face. See, I won. So Ifrit is basically like that jinn who's so strong and powerful that he's always first and he's able to throw sand on all the other ones because he's number one in his strength and his power. But even him, he had to sit in the majlis of Sulaiman and just listen, okay, you know what, ask me what to do. So he said, I will bring the throne to you. Okay, subhanAllah, time flew today. <laughs> May Allah put barakah in our time. Uh, before you rise from your position. Yani before your bayan majlis ends. Now his majlis, according to some, would start at sunrise and would go all the way till sunset. Always be taking care of uh, you know, issues of, 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 of the people. and what. He would be sitting on his chair, on his throne, taking care of things. So it was not 10 minutes. It was hours long. So he said, basically, by the end of this today's, by the end of the business day, as we say, right? I'll have it here. So the business day might have been, you know, another seven hours left, six hours left. Okay, why should you trust me? I'm indeed the one for such a task, being both very strong and trustworthy. He had two attributes. To lift something as gigantic as a throne of this queen, you need to have some outstanding sort of physical strength. Number two, it's studded with, studded with gems and jewels and whatnot. Uh, you have to be careful. There's be other humans or jinns will try to steal stuff. So I am trustworthy. I'm going to make sure I'm not going to steal a tool and nor will I allow anyone else to steal it. So you got to have two attributes, two qualities to take on the job. All right? If you want a good job, if you want to take a good position, this is what the things you get. Do you have what it takes? The academic background, the educational background. And that's what we're talking about. It's not, you know, if it requires physical strength, then physical strength. If it requires, you know, some background, then in education background, then that. Number two, you got to be trustworthy. Notice everyone else stayed quiet because it was like, who's going to do that? Who's going to bring the throne from there? So it was a task that even the average jinns, forget about humans, the average jinns, they all kept quiet. He's the one who said, I'm going I'm to try to do it. Yet the one who had the knowledge from the heavenly book said, Though yet the one who had knowledge from the heavenly book said, I shall bring it to you even before the glance of your eye to the sky can return. Bas. Tarf is your upper eyelid. Upper eyelid. So before your eye, before your, before your eye blinks, you'll be here. Is that possible, man? Before your eye blinks, you're looking up, before you look down, you're looking at the sky, before you look down, the throne will be in front of you. Now Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, the one who had the knowledge of the heavenly book, who is this person? Some say, this person was Sulaiman himself, who had the knowledge of the book, of course. And he is telling, he was saying, this was just, you know, don't get ahead of yourself. Just because you're an Ifrit, you think you're something, I'm not impressed by that. You still work for me, you're still one of my, you know, foot soldiers. You thought you bring it in the, by the end of the majlis, I'll get it to you before you, O jinn, O ifrit. Before you, you're the strongest of this whole lot. Before you even blink an eye, I'll make it, I'll make it stand here. Through the knowledge that Allah has given me. What was that knowledge? Ismullah al-A'zam. Some say he knew the name of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, the great name of Allah. Ida du'iya bihi ajaba uh, You know, when, he, when, he's, when Allah is invoked through that name, Allah responds immediately. When Allah is asked in that name, Allah gives. He knew that great name of Allah. He knew some secret way of enlisting Allah's hidden qudra. 
So some tafsir say that was Sunan And others say that there was actually a person, a human being, an alim in his army by the name of Asif bin Barkhiya. You may have heard this name before, Asif bin Barkhiya. You heard this story, right? Asif bin Barkhiya. So Asif bin Barkhiya was one of the Siddiqeen. Like every ummah has a Siddiq who comes right after the status of the Prophet. He was one of the Siddiqeen of the community of Sud or the ummah of Sud Salam. And he had this amazing gift from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So now the question would be, is it possible for a, 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 a Siddiq to have some amazing power? I talked about this some, some, some last year. I think so. Uh, or, or maybe I was translating the bayan or I must have speaking, I don't remember. But that is, is it possible for a, 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 a follower of, of Rasulullah or a Nabi to be gifted with something super special? Akrama. And the answer is yes. And so does that make them more superior to the Prophet? Okay, what's the answer to that? How? The Nabi is a chosen one, yes, and? Khidr alayhi salam, okay? Right, but what, what is, that's another example. But why is it? Why is it that a ummati's karama can never exceed a mu'jizah of a prophet? An ummati's karama, right? You know what karama? Karama is when a ummati, a follower of a prophet does something out, you know, uh, uh, that is not normal. Why does that not uh, take away from a prophet? Huh? Yeah, but well, how, how can you say how no matter what he does, he can still never go above the prophet? Because a karama is Allah SWT allowed him to do something extraordinary. Correct? Allah allowed him because of his connection and iman and Allah. Can you have iman in Allah? Can you be a Muslim without believing the Prophet of your time? You can't. You, can't, you won't even know who Allah is without knowing your Prophet. The only reason you even have a millionth of this as an ummati is because you believed in your Prophet. So every khair and barakah that any ummati has is because of who? For Rasulullah, it's through Rasulullah. If it wasn't for Rasulullah, we would have nothing. The fact that we even know who Allah is, we even say Allah, it's because of Rasulullah Take it to, No matter how high you go, all of it is going right back into the scale of Rasulullah Okay? So, how did Asib bin Barkhiyah get to know ilmum min al-kitab? Who introduced him to Allah? Of course it was Sulaiman So it does not take away anything from Sulaiman Rather it increases as an honor that an ummati of his has this much connection with Allah. Does it make sense? Right? So here you have uh, Asa bin Barqiyah who, who pulls this you know, name and what happens? He says, I'm going to bring the throne quicker than that. So let's talk a little bit about the jinn, the ifritim and the jinn. What is jinn? Jinn is made out of fire, yes, but you won't see blazing fire like that. Just like we're made out of mud and, and, and clay. We won't see clay in us. If you cut us, you're not going to see clay pouring out. We're talking about Adam salam being made out of clay. Our original essence is clay. Adam salam. But if you cut us, you won't see clay coming out. Similarly, a jinn is not going to be just flame, you know, flying out from there. Originally, it's made from flame. That's iblis. One other th- explanation is that, one other way to understand this, the fact that he is invisible, it's like this invisible energy that travels, electricity or whatnot, travels so fast. Shayateen and jinns are like how you have, you see, how can you go through the wall? 
Because they do go through the wall. They don't need doors open for them. They can travel here and there. So we have, through science, we know a lot of these things through, for example, energy and electricity, etc., that go through anything. All right? So similarly, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has created this makhluq, jinn, similar to that. That they have a way of moving from place to place. And just like how energy can change its forms, you know, you have these jinns that are changing their forms. And they're able to, at very fast pace, at very fast speeds, move things and construct things. So he said, that's why I can do that. But as for this Asa bin Barkhiyah, right, uh, or Sulaiman who had this knowledge, they were basically do working outside of the spectrum of time. Because time is a creation of Allah. Allah does not need time. That's like the Isra took place, Isra and Mi'raj. How Allah SWT traveled all of this and the bed is still warm. How is that possible? Because Nabi Wasallam is not using through time, right? He's working through another whole dimension, another whole level. So here as well, the, the, uh, when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's qudra comes into power, you don't need time, you don't need anything. Every single thing, it's amrkun. Be, and so it comes. That dua, we said, Ya man amrahu bil kafi wa noon. Oh, the one whose affairs and whose decisions are between kaf and noon. The kaf and noon of what? Kun. Meaning, Allah does not even need to say kun, nor does it take him to do what he needs to do, the amount of time it takes for you to say kun. Instead, his decision is between the kaf and the noon. And so kun is simply there for us to understand how quick things happen. That's it. So our Ustad Maulana Choksi again would speak on this ayah a lot. Whenever he'd speak to students of knowledge, he would speak about this. And he would just say, value what you have as students of knowledge. The knowledge of deen by far is the most superior thing you can ever gain. And this is how you'll rule the world, you'll rule the akhirah. Through the knowledge of Quran and Sunnah. You may not have that many material things in this world. There's a poem in uh, uh, one of the books. It said, a long poem. It said, قِيلَ لِلْفَقْرِ أَيْنَ تَسْكُنْ Poverty was asked, where do you live? Poverty was asked, where do you live? And what was the answer? In the turbans of the jurist. In the turbans of the jurist. That's how the system has usually been. There's been yeah, any, uh, exceptions to this, of course, however Allah wills. But yeah, look at our own Nabi, والسلام, how Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala decided for him to lead a very simple life. But then you have Nabi Sulaiman, also is very close to Allah. He had a different lifestyle. But Nabi والسلام, himself leads such a humble lifestyle. So this is for those of us who have sons and daughters who are students of knowledge. And those of us who are currently students of knowledge. And those of us who are students, part-time students of knowledge, like right now, and the Tafim program, and other part-time programs are there. Understand that. This is the greatest gift Allah has given you. Greatest gift that Allah has given you. Um, simple mas'ala of salah. Many times you'll be traveling. Many times your own sibling will ask you, what is this? And you'll say, subhanAllah. You won't say anything to them. You'll give them the answer. But you'll say, oh my God, I can't believe that I know this, I know this masala from 30 years. And this brother doesn't know this masala for 30 years, so I don't know how he's praying his salah, how is he doing things. Do we not see them? Sometimes people ask us, base, maybe ask you a basic question. And that's when you realize how great the knowledge is. So Sulaiman had this power, but look what he, Allah is making him use who? A person in his ummah who has the knowledge of the Quran, or yani, the knowledge of the book of Allah. What is the book? Yani, it could be Lohul Mahfuz, the knowledge of that book. But 
your relationship with Allah through learning knowledge is the greatest gift He can give to you. So remind yourself, you know, especially to the students of this year's one-year program, make dua for them. It's very tough. They're sitting behind the computer all day, eight, nine hours a day for a whole year. They left their jobs, they left their schooling, and they committed for this year long ago so that they could stay in this environment. But they're being tested because they can't stay in this environment. And they don't have what all the previous lucky students had. So it's a huge imtihan for them, seriously. We, we really should make dua for all, not just them and all the other students who are behind computers all day. And with much sacrifice, they gave up time. And it's even now much, much harder to be able to listen, attend, and spiritually grow. But I want to encourage them that remember what you're gaining is something that cannot be surpassed by anything else. When he saw the throne in front of him, who saw? Sulaiman He saw the throne in front of him. What did he say? He did not become boastful. I told you, I'll get it faster than you. No. He said, This is that thing I told you before I'm going to come to later on. At the beginning of the surah I mentioned, I'm going to spend a few minutes on this. Is the plaque that's written in all the courties of Pakistan. Right, the big mahals. Huge mansion. You call the guy for Juma, I won't show up. But Hadam and Fadi Rabbi is written there outside his house. When he used to go for Jola when I studied in Pakistan, I used to always see this. All the time. Hadam and Fadi Rabbi, you know, and a big plaque right under the mailbox. Or, you know, it's funny when those are youth who haven't gone to overseas, they'd have the guy's name and they would have like a business card. You know, you have MD or whatnot. But you've never seen a business card with this many. Uh, you know, alphabets and this many letters and this many degrees, the way people actually put it outside their house over there. It's so awkward for someone who hasn't seen this before. You know what I'm talking about? Right? Uh, England return. UK return. What do you mean? What, UK sent you back? They don't want you? US return. Meaning, it's, 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 it's something to think about, guys. It's really something to think about. I'm going to Subhanallah. I've gone to America, I've seen it, I took a tour, I spent a few years studying in college, now all of a sudden, you know, my stakes are higher. I, you need to respect me a little bit more, or a lot more than my neighbor, because I am UK return, US return, with another whole bunch of degrees. And then they write, Hadam Fadli Rabbi. So sometimes it takes someone from outside of the culture to realize like, what's so messed up, because that, this is the part of the whole colonization, right? It's the, it is the colonialist, uh, who have created this type of slavery mentality that just by you going to a country all of a sudden makes you superior why else if you've gone for hajj also you don't need to necessarily boast about it and previous times used to say haji sab haji haji because no one would be able to afford to go for hajj and if you went for hajj you had to sell all your behens bakri and all your buffalo and your goats and go for hajj so it was a big thing your name would change from fulah to whatever to haji sahab the aspect was alhamdulillah Allah made me haji but being, going to a foreign western country and coming back and to be super duper impressed by that that's one of the reasons why there's no taraqi and there's no, uh, we're not moving forward in the Muslim countries because this idea is that unless and until I don't speak English unless and until I don't go visit a foreign western land I can't speak on anything you know, we're not worthy enough unless we get an approval from someone else and that creates a very very serious issue I'd go to Pizza Hut Again, I'm talking about 20 years ago 
And I try to speak, you know, but we speak in Urdu to the rickshaw wala. We speak to the rickshaw, Urdu to everyone. I go on pizza, I say, bhai, cheese pizza laye. What would you like to order? I'm like, oh, I'm speaking to the guy in Urdu. He said, no, I'm not, I refuse to answer. He wouldn't, they won't answer. Just because I'm in Pizza Hut does not mean I have to speak in English with you. But I would, re I would challenge that all the time. I would say, be proud of our language. Be proud of what we have. Why, why we, our kids should know how to write Urdu, should know how to speak Urdu. And even in this land, I'm going to add that. That teach your, your, your mother tongue or your own language. Many of our elders are sitting here who, who, who are born maybe overseas. Make sure your children, try, try to make sure our children know our language. Because language encompasses culture. Language also is connected with religion. Language is co connected with haya. That's another whole topic for another day. But it's something I'm, I, I would definitely want to mention. Ulama who've come to Darussalam have spoken about this. Sheikh Abul Hassan Ali al-Nadwi rahmatullahi when he came into South Africa too, he gave many bayans on this. That don't just stick to the, your desi food. That's going to eventually go away. Right? Make sure what do you stick to? Language. Language encompasses a lot. It's an inferiority complex that people suffer. I've seen a, a, like a mom getting mad and screaming and scolding her three-year-old or two or three-year-old when she was responding back in their mother tongue. And she's like, no, we don't say that. Speak in English to me. Speak. Screaming. I'm just like, well, what's going on over here? You know, basically. You know, you're, you are a slave even though you think you're free. You're still a slave. Slave mentality. Look at the African-Americans and all, what they're suffering right now. Just to be, ask them, if I know how to my, trace my roots back, I know what tribe I come from, I know exactly where my mom and dad were born, I've gone to visit that place, I know, oh, I know my lineage, how do you feel? What would they say? We say, oh my God, we would envy you, man. Go, appreciate, go back and appreciate all of that, what you have. So they're dying and they're suffering because they, they've been cut off from all of that. And here we have everything tayyar, ready for us, and we don't want to take it. And we feel that it's actually going to hold us down if we keep strong to our culture and to our language. Allahul Musta'an. May Allah help us. So, look, Sulaiman, this Hadha Mifaldi Rabbi is from this place. All this thing that's written on the palaces there is written from this. What I tell people, is it okay to write? It's okay to write. Hadha Mifaldi Rabbi. But I just ask people to write the rest of the ayah. Write the rest of the ayah on the plaque. What is the rest of the ayah? He says, لِيَبْلُوَنِي أَأَشْكُرُ أَمْ أَكْفُرُ Allah gave me this as a favor upon me. But why did He give me this favor? Because I am intrinsically better? Because I'm wealthier? Because I'm more intelligent? No. لِيَبْلُوَنِي To test me. To try me. All of this, your car, your home, your business, your, your fortune, your, your profession. Sulaiman for him, his whole kingdom. And now that the fact that the throne is here within less than a second. He says, this is a favor, yes. But it's a test. It's a trial. To see, will I be grateful and thankful to him? I'm akfur or will I be ungrateful? I am not going to become haughty and arrogant over this. I'm going to realize, this is a time of test. And then he said, Remember, whoever is thankful to Allah is but thankful for the good of his own soul. And whoever is ungrateful, then nevertheless, my Lord is self-sufficient, all generous. My Lord does not need your shukr or my shukr. This, my dear brothers, is key, key thing to take home point today. 
that number one, understand and count Allah's favors. Think about Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's favors upon us. And number two, let it not allow us to become arrogant and haughty that we have something which someone next to us does not have. But instead think that this is imtihan. And what's imtihan? Our wealth is imtihan. Our health is imtihan. Our knowledge is imtihan. Our piety or tawfiq to do good is imtihan. Someone is fasting Monday, Wednesday, Thursday. Someone is fasting Tuesday, Thursday, Friday. I mean Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday for Ayam Bid. That's an imtihan. You got tawfiq, but guess what? You got imtihan. Someone in your home is not fasting. Someone you told them they're not doing it and you're doing it. That's an imtihan for you. Are you going to be grateful and say, Allah, I don't deserve it. I'm, I'm an evil person. I don't know why you gave me the tawfiq. I don't deserve it. And you pray to Rukat Salat al-Hajjah for, for giving the, the ability to fast. Or are we going to start thinking that we're superior to someone else? So what did I tell you? Wealth, power, knowledge, and even tawfiq to do good. All of these things are what? Imtihan from Allah. Every single blessing is an imtihan to see how we respond. Do we, are we grateful or are we not? What is shukr? Shukr is to appreciate the mun'im more than the ni'mah. Shukr is to be focused on the mun'im more than the ni'mah. Shukr is to be focused on the one who gave you the blessing more than you are focused on the blessing. Shukr is to be focused more on the one who bestowed upon you the blessing, i.e. Allah, than the blessing. That's what your focus, that's what shukr is about. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says in the Quran, ni'matullahi la tuhsuha. If you try to enumerate, wa in, lishak, if, have you found any university in the world who has been able to categorize and, and, and through their computers come up with all the blessings of Allah? Not possible. Number, number, so Allah says, if you hypothetically were to be speaking, were to count one blessing, not ni'am, not plural, ni'mah, one blessing, la tuhsuha, you will never be able to enumerate it. Okay, this is mentioned in two places in the Quran. Two places in the Quran, is that right? One place, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, inna al-insana la zalumun, what's that? Inna al-insana la zalumun kafar. And another place it mentions, inna Allah la ghafoor rahim One place, you wonder like, why is this ayah being repeated? So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in one place mentions, Indeed, the human being is very oppressive and ungrateful. He is oppressive and he's ungrateful. And the other place Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, in, what does he say? Indeed, Allah is forgiving and merciful. Meaning, even though a person is ungrateful, yet Allah continues to forgive us and continues to shower mercy upon us, even though we don't deserve it. So, what does he say over here? In Rabbi Ghaniyun Kareem. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala does not need your praise. He's self-sufficient. And then he doesn't say, oh, since you didn't praise me, I'm not going to give it to you. Kareemun, he's all generous, he continues to give. So my brothers, we start thanking Allah and praising Allah from ala ni'matil wujud. Thanking Allah from the gift of existence. Thank Allah from the gift of existence. The fact that we're, how many of us thought about thanking Allah today? That the fact that I'm Allah, that I even exist. A man like me even exists. Otherwise Allah could have decided not to allow me to be born. Could have died before birth or at childbirth, or whatever the case may be. Number two, why not, why not, I have, I, I, why is it not possible that I could have been that small ant that was in the kitchen, or seen a squirrel in your backyard, seen a skunk on the street. Wallahi, tell me, could not that be possible that my soul would be in there, and that soul would be here? Yes, it can. Think about that. How many times have we thanked Allah for just these two things I've just told you? The fact that we even exist, 
and the fact that we exist as a human. That's just for beginners. Ab now, it's an endless thing. That's why at every mawqa, at every place, we need to be saying Alhamdulillah. If you don't know the specific dua, what to say at what time, just say Alhamdulillah. All the time, all the time. Urte, berte, eating, drinking, all the time, just keep on saying Alhamdulillah. When you enter the home, when you leave the masjid, now when you walk out back to your cars after Isha, say Alhamdulillah that you got the tawfiq to sit from Maghrib and Isha, to be able to perform Salatul Jama'ah. Say that, right? Say Alhamdulillah. Uh, at all of this that, that is happening. So we, we, I think we, we have a few minutes left for uh, uh, Isha. We can take a break over here. We have about three ayats left for this story, or two ayats. Uh, and then we'll move on to Salih alayhi salam story in Thamud, Qumi Thamud. Next week, we ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to um, allow us to practice on whatever khair and good was said. If I said anything out of place, may Allah forgive me for that. If I said something that hurt anyone's feelings, may Allah forgive me for that. And may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala allow us to continue to speak what is right. And most importantly, allow us to practice what is being shared. May Allah not make this knowledge and what we say and share a proof against us, and rather a proof for us. رب ارحم رب اغفر وارحم وتجاوز ما تعلم انك انت العزيز الاكرم رب ارحمهما كما ربيانا صغيرا رب ارحمهما كما ربيانا صغيرا رب ارحمهما كما ربيانا صغيرا لا اله الا انت سبحانك اننا كنا من الظالمين يا الله اكسبت اور سيتينج هير اكسبت اور لسنينج هير اول ذوز برذرز اند سيسترز لسنينج اون لاين ذوز هو ار بريزنت هير مي الله او الله وي اسك يو الاو ذس درس تو بي ويدي ان اور سكيلز الاو اس تو براكتس وات ايفر وي شيرد الاو اس تو امبارت وات ايفر وي شيرد او الله الاو اس تو انكريس ان اور علم الاو اس تو انكريس ان اور عمل الاو اس تو انكريس ان اور لوف فور ذا قران او الله ميك اس اول لايف لونج ستودنتس اوف ذا قران Oh Allah, allow us to study the language of the Qur'an. Allow us to dive deep into the meanings of the Qur'an. Oh Allah, allow us to improve the quality of our salah, the quality of our dua, the quality of our dhikr. Oh Allah, make us amongst those who are continuously busy in seeking knowledge. We're able to spend a portion of the night standing up in front of you in tahajjud, in dhikr, in dua. Oh Allah, accept the fast of all those who fasted in this past week and are fasting this week. Ya Allah, accept their duas, accept their suhoor and iftar. Oh Allah, oh Allah, have mercy upon all those who are sick. Grant shifa to those who are sick, those who passed away from the ummah. Forgive them. Oh Allah, we ask you to protect this masjid and madrasa. And the students and the teachers and the patrons and the donors and the musallis and the parents of all the students, O oh Allah, and all the well wishers of this place, O oh Allah, give barakah in their ilm and amal and their wealth and their iman. O oh Allah, we ask you, Allah, to grant all of us protection from, from the evil effects of shaitan and nafs. O oh Allah, allow the seminary to complete with ease and afia. O oh Allah, and allow this place to continue to be a source of khair, barakah, of ta'alim and ta'allum, of tazkiyah, of, of da'wah, of khidmah, and all the branches of deen. Allow this place to become a, a, an example of, uh, 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 of the of the environment that was at the time of the Prophet ﷺ in his Masjid al-Nabawi. Oh Allah, whatever permissible desires and needs the listeners have and those of us who are present here, oh Allah, fulfill our permissible desires and needs. Oh Allah, fulfill our needs. Oh Allah, become pleased with us, become pleased with us, grant us a life with Iman, a death on Iman, raise us with Iman. Subhana rabbika rabbil izzati amma yasifun. Wa salamun ala mursaleen. Alhamdulillahi rabbil alameen. Ameen.
Allahu Akbar, Allahu Akbar. Allahu Akbar, Allahu Akbar. Ashadu an la ilaha illa Allah. Ashadu an la ilaha illa Allah Ashadu anna muhammadar Ashadu anna muhammadar rasulullah Hayya ala salam Hayya ala Allahu Akbar, 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 Allahu Akbar,
هيا للسلاة هيا للسلاة هيا للفلاة هيا للفلاة قد قامت الصلاة قد قامت الصلاة الله أكبر الله أكبر لا إله إلا الله استوعتذلوا الله أكبر الحمد لله رب العالمين الرحمن الرحيم مالك يوم الدين إياك نعبد وإياك نستعين اهدنا الصراط المستقيم صراط الذين أنعمت عليهم غير المغضوب عليهم ولا الضالين لا أقسم بهذا البلد وأنت حل بهذا البلد ووالد وما ولد لقد خلقنا الإنسان في كبد أيحسب أن لن يقدر عليه أحد يقول أهلكت مالا لبدا أيحسب أن لم يره أحد ألم نجعل له عينين ولسانا وشفتين وهديناه نجدين فلاقتحم العقبه وما ادراك ما العقبه فك رقبه او اطعام في يوم ذي مسغبه يتيما ذا مقربه او مسكينا ذا متربه ثم كان من الذين آمنوا وتواصوا بالصبر وتواصوا بالمرحمة أولئك أصحاب الميمنة والذين كفروا بآياتنا هم أصحاب المشأمة عليهم نار مؤصدة الله سمع الله لمن حمده الله أكبر الله أكبر الله أكبر الله أكبر الحمد لله رب العالمين الرحمن الرحيم مالك يوم الدين إياك نعبد وإياك نستعين اهدنا الصراط المستقيم صراط الذين أنعمت عليهم غير المغضوب عليهم ولا الضالين 
والشمس وضحاها والقمر إذا تلاها والنهار إذا جلاها والليل إذا يغشاها والسماء وما بناها والأرض وما طحاها ونفس وما سواها فألهمها فجورها وتقواها قد أفلح من زكاها وقد خاب من دساها كذبت ثمود بطغواها إذ بعث أشقاها فقال لهم رسول الله ناقة الله وسقياها فكذبوه فعقروها فدمدم عليهم فدمدم عليهم ربهم بذنبهم فسواها ولا يخاف عقباها الله سمع الله لمن حمده سمع الله لمن حمده الله أكبر الله أكبر الله أكبر الله أكبر الله سمع الله لمن حمده الله أكبر الله أكبر الله أكبر 
One of the scholars of the past was asked What is something that will help a person Worship Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala What will assist the person To make ibadah of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala And he mentioned Ikhraju ghumum dunya min al-qalb the question was, What will assist a person to obey Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala the most? And responded by saying, To take out the worry and concerns of this worldly life from the heart. When a person is relaxed, and when a person is not afraid, is not suffering from fear of this and that, then it will be easy for them to concentrate and make ibadah. But as long as a person is always worried about this loss or that loss, then even in our ibadah, we'll always be wanting to run out and to take care of this and take care of that. And as the scholars say, that khawful faqri, faqrun. Khawful maradi, maradun. That the fear of poverty itself is poverty. And the fear of sickness itself is a sickness. So these things of the world, the ahwal that happen around us, if a person has a habit, they're always worried and anxious about it. Even though they're not suffering that, they actually end up suffering it more than the one who is going through that, but is, is connected to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. We see that is very common. That people are always worried about the future, always worried about what's going to happen, my investment, what's going to happen about this health, this sickness, uh, and, and X, Y, Z. And not only does that not solve any problems, but biggest harm is that they're not focused on their ibadah. They don't have the himmah to perform salah properly, to recite Quran properly, because their mind is always running about this and that. So we ha who is going to be able to take this out of the heart? First of all, we have to make intention. First, say that, okay, inshallah, I want to improve the quality of my ibadah. And that's going to be that I'm going to start, you know, not acting as though I'm in charge of my future. Because I'm not. Allah is. And that's where the whole belief in taqdeer comes in. Believing in taqdeer, believing in predestiny, truly believing in that, can help a person lead a very relaxed life. Because you know, you have to do what is in your hands, but at the end of the day, only what Allah wills will happen. So what's the point of worrying? What's the point of being so upset and anxious about it when your anxiety is not going to help you in any way? 
So this is the, one of the asrar and the secrets of believing, the benefits of believing in destiny, that it, it leads a person, it allows a person to lead a very comfortable and care, I won't say carefree, but at least a, a relaxed life. We have to worry about something. Allah wants us to be worried about something. That's about our akhirah, about our qabr, and how we're dealing with people, and how we're fulfilling the rights or not. That's what we definitely got to be worried about. But other things of this world, money comes and goes, sickness comes and goes. What will happen will happen. We take all our precautions, but put our trust in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. I hope Allah azza wa jal grants this tawakkul, this reliance upon Him to all of us, allows us to lead a life in which we are focused on preparing for akhirah and save us from having the gham and ham and fikr and worry all the time of our material things. Subhanallah wa bihamdi, subhanakallah wa bihamdi, inshallah, ilaha illa ant.